Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast, I'm Alicia here. Great to have you back. This is the second update show for reInvent 2017 and the last one. Hopefully we'll get you up to date with everything that's been going on. So what's been happening? Well, first, Alexa for Business. Now, many of you will be familiar with uh, our friend Alexa who can answer all sorts of questions and do all kinds of things. So now we have Alexa for Business, which brings Alexa into the workplace to help workers be more productive and organized using both personal and shared Echo devices. So you can use things like uh, join meetings in conference rooms. You can create custom skills to do things like directions around the office, finding a conference room, reporting equipment problems, ordering new supplies. You can also use it to make phone calls, uh, be an intelligent assistant to check your calendar, etc. Very, very cool. So Alexa for Business is a new service available for you to sign up to now. You can manage lots and lots of uh, devices at the same time and do some really cool integrations. I think this is one of those services that uh, once people get their hands on it, are going to make some pretty cool things. And speaking of cool, I think by now you can guess that I think serverless technologies are pretty cool and I'm a big fan of AWS Lambda. Well, there's some great new capabilities for AWS Lambda. Uh, firstly, there is a new maximum capacity for Lambda functions. You can now allocate up to 3,008 meg of memory to your AWS Lambda functions. So it's double the capacity of the past. So this means if you've got sort of big data analysis, larger file processing, statistical uh, computations, etc. You can really dial up that memory if you need to to get access to that. So I know that a lot of people have been hoping for that type of extension. Now you have it. Another change is that you can now set concurrency limits on individual AWS Lambda functions. Now this is really useful because you can reserve a portion of your account level concurrency limit for a given function. It also means you can throttle a given function if it goes too far. So you can set the limit that you want to set and control it. So some very nifty capabilities there available all around the place. Check out the detail in the show notes of how to set your concurrency limit and that will help you as well. You can also now log the execution activity of your AWS Lambda functions to AWS CloudTrail so you can collect data events. So before you can only do the Lambda management events, now you can actually record the Lambda data sets so you can get additional details on when and by whom an invoke API call was made and which Lambda function was executed as well. So this is pretty nifty in terms of tracking what's going on. And another thing that's taken place is some really significant console experience updates. Firstly, the AWS Cloud9 based code editor. You can now edit your code functions in the ID environment that runs in AWS Cloud9. I'll talk more about Cloud9 a little later in this episode. There's also uh, improved monitoring. So now you have more robust graphs. You can zoom into different timeframes. You can jump to a function's metrics or logs in a given timeframe with just one click. Uh, the new function config makes it much easier to visualize and configure your application. So you can see uh, all the linked services, so things like event sources, downstream resources, etc. So it helps you visualize what's going on. And the other really cool thing is the new preview of the AWS Serverless Application Repository. Now, this is a repository for storing functions that you want to share using the serverless application model or SAM format. And it allows you to share globally for all AWS customers or privately for access controls just for individuals and teams, these packages that are in the repository. So this is a really exciting place to create an ecosystem of serverless applications that you want to share with others, things that you might want to use, etc. So take a look at that. It's in a pre-announcement at the moment, but certainly something I think a lot of customers will like to use. 
Another thing a lot of customers might like to use is the AWS Server Migration Service, and it now supports the ability to migrate Hyper-V virtual machines to AWS. So now you can do both Microsoft Hyper-V and VMware ESX, ESXi environments. Now we've spoken about uh, the AWS Server Migration Service in a podcast in the past, so take a listen to that because the the, uh, usability still applies, but now you can support Hyper-V, which is pretty exciting as well. Now, a new service of super interest to developers should be AWS Cloud9. And this is a cloud developer environment. And I'm pretty excited about this myself because I like to do everything I can in the cloud. And now we have an integrated development environment designed for writing, running, and debugging code all from the browser. Basically, Cloud9 comes prepackaged with essential tools for lots of different programming languages, JavaScript, Python, PHP, etc. You don't have to fiddle with installing compilers and tool chains, etc. You just get going. There's a really nice, rich editor that does have Vim mode, hooray, um, which is good for me with all that muscle memory that I'm not going to lose. Uh, also, you can have uh, different plugins and you can create different commands as well. It also includes debuggers uh, for many different languages and you can also add new things into it as well. The other nice thing is all the AWS integrations, of course, so you can access different services, the serverless application model very easily as well, and very fast to build. Also, of course, integrates uh, with AWS CodeStar, so you can really have your entire dev tool chain and development environment as well. The other nice thing is you can collaborate. So you can invite IAM users to your environment with just a few clicks. There's even a chat function if you want to collaborate around um, a particular file. Uh, You can see what files other people are working on, what they're looking at. Uh, You can even share a terminal as well, which is pretty nice. Now, the nice thing is there's no additional charge for this service except the underlying compute and storage. And it's available uh, first up in US West Oregon, US East Ohio, US East North Virginia, EU Island and Asia Pacific Singapore regions. I'm going to be getting my hands on that very soon and I'm pretty much looking forward to doing that. Now, if you are a Windows user and you've been looking longingly at all the Linux-based deep learning stuff, uh, look longingly no more because now there's the AWS Deep Learning AMI for Microsoft Windows Server 2012 R2 and 2016. These have all the pre-built packages, libraries, and frameworks you need to get going and do deep learning on Microsoft Windows. It includes, of course, Apache MXNet, Cafe, TensorFlow, as well as lots of other packages that take advantage of some of the uh, NVIDIA stuff, etc. So pretty nifty for those Windows users, so enjoy. Okay, let's cover a few network-related updates. The first one, Amazon API Gateway now supports endpoint integrations with private VPC. So now you can provide access to HTTP and HTTPS resources within your VPC without exposing it to the public internet. And I know many customers have wanted this, so now it is available. So get access to that. It's available all over the place, many, many regions. So you can get your hands on that. The other thing that's now available is inter-region VPC peering. Hooray! So many of you are familiar with VPC peering, which typically operated within the same region. Now you can share resources between regions or replicate data for geographic redundancy. It's exactly the same uh, VPC type technology, but what it does is it encrypts the inter-region traffic with no single point of failure or bandwidth bottleneck. Also, the traffic using inter-region VPC peering always stays on the global AWS backbone, 
never goes over the public internet and it reduces obviously those threat vectors like uh, exploits and DDoS attacks, etc. So this really opens up a world of peering uh, between your different regions for those of you who have deployed across multiple regions. Now, it is currently available in AWS US East North Virginia, US East Ohio, US West Oregon and EU Ireland and other regions are coming real soon. So keep an eye out for that one. And of course, in the last episode, we spoke about a bunch of EC2 updates. There are still more. Uh, there are now launch templates for Amazon EC2 instances. So this means you can templatize your launch requests, which of course streamlines and simplifies the launch process for autoscaling, spot fleet, spot and on-demand instances. So this is all about taking the down the number of steps required to create an instance, bringing all the launch parameters within one resource, which means it's really easy to reproduce. Um, no additional cost. Available in all AWS commercial regions except the AWS China Beijing region. So get your hands on that one. And for those of you who like to use the T2 instance type, which is one that has a burst model, and you can read about that in the blog post, we now have the new T2 Unlimited capability. Now, this is the ability that you can add to your, inst your T2 instances when you launch your instance, or you can enable it on an instance that's already running. And basically, this allows you to sustain high CPU performance over any desired timeframe whilst, of course, still keeping it cost low. Uh, the hourly T2 instance price, or the normal price, covers the interim spikes that you'll get if your average CPU utilization is lower than baseline over a 24-hour window. But if you really push it hard and you need to sustain that use, uh, you can now uh, do that. You simply get a small hourly charge if you run over the limit. And there's some calculations in the blog post that will take you through that. But this really lets you cover yourself for those periods where you may have some unpredictability or need to spike uh, for a consistent period of time. The T2 Unlimited capability lets you do that really, really easily. Another nifty little change in the EC2 world is spread placement groups for Amazon EC2. Now, this helps you reduce the likelihood of failures within clusters or groups of instances. So we've had uh, cluster placement groups for a long time, which are typically used in applications that need very low latency network performance between the nodes. And so you use a placement group, of course, to do that. But you may not want to have all your hardware too close together because if you have a set of hardware failures that may impact your application, now you have more flexibility with the spread placement group capability as well. Now, if you're looking something for a little more sim uh, simple, I should say, rather than similar, simple on the compute side, Amazon LightSail typically fits the bill. And now it allows you to have load balances and also integrated certificate management. So you can easily create a load balancer to build HTTPS enabled applications. It provides the SSL TLS certificates for free and integrates a certificate management as well. It's simple one click and validate type process. And it also will automatically renew certificates on the customer's behalf before they expire. So a very nifty scaling function if you're an Amazon LightSail user. Do you know what time it is? Well, if you work in any sort of systems operations world, you know that the time function is very important for all your servers and things need to be coordinated and at the same time. So we're thrilled to announce the Amazon Time Sync Service. This is a time synchronization service delivered over the Network Time Protocol, or NTP, and it uses a fleet of redundant satellite-connected and atomic clocks in each region to deliver a highly accurate reference clock. Now, this is available for no additional charge and is immediately available in all public AWS regions to all instances running in a VPC. The magic IP address is 169.254.169.123. And so you don't need external internet access or anything to get access to this. Uh, some great examples of how to set it up. Uh, in fact, the recommendation is to use Crony 
as well, rather than the native NTP. Also, just be aware that at the moment, this is not available for the M5 and C5 instances, but it is coming. So if you need to keep track of things, this is a good method to do that. And the nice thing is it actually handles leap seconds as well by doing the leap smearing technique, which I'm sure many of you like to read about, because as you know, when those leap seconds come in, applications tend to break. So having a time service like this avoids those issues. Now, there are a couple of extra cool database updates on top of yesterday's updates that I want to talk about, and these relate to Amazon Aurora. The first is there's now a preview that you can sign up for for multi-master Amazon Aurora. Now, this allows you to create multiple read-write master instances across multiple availability zones. So this is no small thing. If any of you have tried to do this before, this means that applications can read and write data to multiple database instances in a cluster, just like you can read across lots of read replicas today. So this will help improve the already high availability of Aurora because it means if one of your master instances fail, the other one will take over immediately and it will maintain read and write availability through instance failures or even a complete AZ failure with zero application downtime. So it'll be available for the Aurora MySQL compatible edition first up and you can sign up using the sign up form, which is pretty cool. Now, speaking of pretty cool, this is probably the uh, new feature that I want to geek out about the most. And this is something that we've pre-announced called the Amazon Aurora serverless capability. And this is available in preview. And it is designed for workloads that are very variable and subject to rapid change. Now, the challenge has always been that you had to sort of set your database size, didn't you? Your database server size. They tend to be chunky and big and tend to be quite expensive. So this serverless model really separates the compute component or the processing component and the storage component. Now, the storage component in Aurora is already very differently designed to take advantage of the cloud. Now, the processing component will do the same. Basically, instead of choosing your database instance size up front, what you do is you create an endpoint. You set your desired minimum and maximum capacity if you want. It goes big as you like. And then you issue queries to the endpoint. Now, the endpoint is just a proxy that routes your queries to a rapidly scaled fleet of database resources. This means your connections remain intact, even as those scaling operations take place behind the scene. And new resources come online within five seconds. So think of it as a warm pool of, uh, of uh, compute resources able to swing into action as your workload grows and then release when you no longer need it. And you can scale all the way down to zero and just pay for storage. Goodness me. So this really ties really a relational data model into what I would term a serverless model, the ability to only spin up resource as and when you need it. Very, very cool. Now, we'll get more information to you about this in early 2018. The current plan is to make it available in production form with MySQL compatibility in the first half and then follow up with Postgres compatibility later in the year. But this is a super exciting development and something if you're into databases worth looking at really, really closely. And now for a couple of last little tidbits to leave you with before we wind up this uh, second update show. Uh, AWS Greengrass, we've talked about Greengrass before. It lets you run local compute, messaging, and data caching for connected devices. And now there are three new features. Firstly, the AWS Lambda functions running on Greengrass core devices can natively interact with the capabilities of the underlying host device. So camera, serial bus, GPU, etc. Pretty cool. You can also now use the popular industrial messaging protocol, OPC-UA. So if you use those types of devices, this will be interesting to you. And also now you can remotely update the Greengrass core software to take advantage of new features, bug fixes, and security enhancements. So 
much more easy ability to manage that platform. And last but by no means least, good to talk about security. There are now ready to use managed rules available on AWS WAF. So now you can actually get pre-configured rule groups provided in the AWS marketplace. And these are provided by some of the industry's leading security experts, people like AlertLogic, Fortinet, Imperva, Trend Micro and TrustWave. They're automatically updated as new threats come along and they provide things like OWASP top 10 mitigations, bad bot defenses, virtual patching against recent CVEs, etc. Um, even more specialized groups to protect against, uh, protect against typical threats for things like WordPress and Drupal, etc. It allows you to have these as a pay-as-you-go model and it means you're getting the expertise of the people who can create those rules running on the cloud-native capability of AWS WAF at really low cost. So it's a very cool combination of expertise. And that is it for reInvent 2017. I hope you've enjoyed the update shows. Done my best to get them to you quickly. Apologies for the lack of audio finesse, but, you know, things have to happen. And uh, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com. And lots of new toys to go play with. So until I speak to you next time, do keep on building.